Thank you for joining us here at BLC. Our purpose is helping people discover and develop a life in Christ. Now here is Pastor Gary Tony. Y'all doing all right? Yeah. <clears throat> Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Now I know as I talk about dads today, uh, here, here's the thing. Sometimes uh, when we talk about it, we, we try to uh, take a minute and, and let them have their day, moms. Okay? And, and ultimately, we want to honor our Father in heaven, yeah? You know, so really, uh, dads, I love you and we do honor you today, but I'm really not going to talk about you that much. I'm going to talk about the Lord, okay? Uh, before we get into this, I do want to take a minute and just thank everybody for participating in our um, uh, Not Alone Pregnancy Center campaign. We have done very well. I'm so proud of you guys. I think we got like, what, I think John told me like 90. Yeah, 90 bottles. Yeah, so thank you so much for that. They are, they are greatly appreciative of those things that will allow them to do. And there's churches all over our community that are uh, you know, involved in this. And if the Lord puts this on your heart to be a part of that, well, then you can support them at any time. You don't have to do a baby bottle. Amen? Well, let's get into things today. Proverbs chapter 1, the King Solomon makes this statement. He says, my son, hear the instructions of your father, and they will be a crown on your head. Now, we're not really used to that in today's culture, walking around with a crown on your head, right? But in different times in history, and I can assure you in times to come, there will be people with crowns that have worked in positions in church that you never get to see. Y'all okay? And what King Solomon wants us to understand today, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's saying, pay attention to your father. Listen to his instructions. See, our heavenly father is who inspired Solomon to write these words. Here's what's interesting about his statement. As I looked back at what King Solomon said, right before he made the statement about listen to, heed to, pay attention to your father's instructions, he makes this statement. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And that word fear, it doesn't mean to be scared of God. We should never be scared of God. God loves us, yeah? But what, what Solomon wants us to understand, what our Father in heaven wants us to understand is that, that when we reverence him, when we make ourselves available, when we humble ourselves, because Derek and I were talking about this before service, about the offerings that were brought. And that's what atoned for our junk. So often we're looking at the vessel, we got to do right, be right, do right, be right. But it was always the sacrifice, the offering that atoned for us. Now who is that today? Jesus has made you complete. On the other side of all your junk, huh? Anybody ever blown it? Yeah. Jesus makes you right. Now, does that mean we don't learn and improve and humble ourselves and grow and stay teachable? Absolutely. And this is one of the things that Solomon, if you look at Solomon's life, well, he started out really good. But listen, ain't no man going to be successful with 300 wives. 
You can't handle that. I barely handle one. Right? <laughs> Pay attention to your father's destruction. That's why, that's why God said you need one, one wife. Yeah. Right? Outside of that, you will lose your mind. And Solomon did. He got to worshiping devils and all kinds of stuff, man. You know, just like Adam, God, it's that woman you gave me. I thought that'd be funny, but I, I guess the dads are scared to laugh. Right now. <laughs> Inside, they're like, yes, preacher, tell that. <laughs> right? So today, as we honor fathers here, uh, let's, let's fix our eyes on our Heavenly Father who instructed us, who inspired us to be people of God. Here's the thing. One of the things I'm pretty sure of when I follow the Lord and, and, and I just, I'm pretty confident when he, he inspires fathers. Now, you all understand I didn't have a dad in my life. So part of this, I had to learn my mom had to be both. But praise the Lord, I have a spiritual father and he takes care of me. Amen. And one thing I'm pretty sure of is that dads want their children to be successful, right? Well, our Heavenly Father is the same way. As a matter of fact, God makes it very clear that he wants success for all of us. This is the passage that the Lord led me to when I started putting this talk to together. In Psalm chapter 1, check this out, beginning in verse 1, this is King David, and he says, blessed and this word blessed in today's culture has be, be, become so watered down that it just means something that you say to somebody when they sneeze. But as I begin to look through the scriptures, here's some descriptions of what this word looks like. Happy, fortunate, prosperous, successful, enviable. Blessed. Is this, this is what this word blessed means. Is the man who walks, now he gives you some instruction here, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. See, for the born again, you should never be seeking counsel from ungodly people. You serve a different world now. He says don't stand in the path of sinner. That, that, now that doesn't mean that you don't go connect with sinners. We have what they need in life, so we have to go into their world. We are in this world, but not of it. <clears throat> but if you hang out with the sinner all the time, guess what's going to happen? That's the, Paul makes it very clear that bad company corrupts good morals. Yeah? Don't stand in the path of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scornful or the mocker. When people mock Christ, don't be hanging around them. Now, that doesn't mean that you got to, you got to break your sword out with the Word of God in, in attack mode. We walk in love, don't we? That doesn't mean we don't correct people, but the ungodly, they're, they're usually not open to our correction. They're not listening to you, right? And then he makes this statement. But his delight, whose delight? Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. In other words, you need to enjoy the Word of God. I, I hear people all the time, Pastor, I, I really don't understand the Word. It's no fun to me. Well, then slow down a minute and ask the Lord to help you. Step one, you must be, are you ready for this? Born again. The Word of God is for the believer. I know some people think the Bible's for everybody. No, it's not. The Bible was never written for everybody. That's just a religious idea. God's Word was written for His people. Now, will, God, will the Bible affect everybody? 
No, it doesn't affect everybody. I know people to this day that have read the Bible. I have friends that have told me, well, Reverend, I've read the Bible from cover to cover. And they, they say that like, check, I, do, I did that. And the book, of, the book of God is not information, it's revelation. You get it by spending time in it. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates in it when he has time. When? What was it say? Which day and night? Monday, Thursday, Tuesday. Which, which one? Day and night. And, and here's the, now I love y'all, but here, this is what I get. Preacher, I don't have time for that. You don't have time. You just got through scrolling for an hour on social media. I know, I know it's Father's Day. I need to calm down, right? Yeah. You meditate in it day and night. Watch this. The person that does this, this blessed person that spends time in the word of God, he'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. And his leaf will not wither. And whatever he does, whatever he does, what's a whatever? Whatever you, now you can't, now he not talk about carnal worldly whatevers. All right. Whatever he does will prosper. But it starts with you spending time with God. What's going to happen? This blessed person that spends time in the word of God is going to be this happy, fortunate, prosperous, successful, enviable person. People are going to want your life. Because they see you in the middle of storms and you're steady. You're not this emotional roller coaster. You're not this drama package that shows up every time something goes south a little bit guys we live in a world where we're going to face difficulties and challenges I can tell you from experience we live in Toyota country how many of you remember Georgetown before Rodney I know you do before Toyota it was a little bitty old town man country town and then Toyota showed up now thank God for Toyota don't misunderstand me a lot of y'all work there but here's what happens a lot of the guys that I, that I know that work there, sometimes it's what I, they, they gripe about it. I'm thinking, man, where would you be, huh, without Toyota? Now, not that God can't take care of you, but Toyota not only changed this community, it changed a lot of people's lives. But so often when, what happens is we get used to stuff because when we begin to see a little success and a little prosperity, all of a sudden we start to highlight all the stuff that goes wrong more than the stuff that, that goes right. Thank you. Yeah, you, you, you come on. We, we do. Because things are going good. And in the slightest little speed bump in the road, we are sideways. I was reading after the Apostle Paul the other day. And this guy, you all have heard me talk. You all know Paul, right? Paul was called to preach the gospel. And he had to, sometimes he would have to sneak out of cities at night so that they wouldn't execute him. Paul, Parker, Paul had hit squads assigned, assassination squads assigned to him. I'm just going to tell you, I'd get a job at Toyota. I'm like, I'm not doing all this, Lord, just to preach. Huh? And he makes this statement at the end of his journey. He says, none of these things, I mean, he got beat left for dead, stoned with rocks. Well, you have to clarify in today's culture. 
Yeah. He got left for dead many times, put in prison many times. And at the end of his journey, he says, none of these things move me. He didn't let all the stuff get him sideways. He understood his mission. He was blessed. He was prosperous. He was successful. He didn't allow the things outside him to dictate his life and his mission for what God called him to do. I know some of you are thinking, yeah, but God didn't call me to, no, 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 no. The minute you say, I do to Jesus, a calling is on your life to do something. You're blessed to do something for the kingdom of heaven. We've already talked about this in our heaven series. You understand we will have to talk to Jesus about our assignment one day. I got two yes and a right. Yeah. I know we don't want to think about that because this present life consumes us. But this thing will be over like that. The Apostle John said he actually praised God that we may prosper in all things and be in health as our soul prospers. Now, don't let this word prosper get you sideways because I know in today's culture, a lot of people have formed opinions about the prosperity message with preachers. And I know people have corrupted stuff and done bad things with stuff, but the word prosper simply means to succeed. And like I said in the beginning, God wants us to be successful, right? Yeah. See, as a New Testament <clears throat> Believer, our soul prospering, it requires some submission on our part. Let me, let me take it a step further. It requires some flexibility. How many of y'all are flexible? As long as you get your way, right? You don't get your way, flexibility, gone. Yeah. As a disciple and that's prospering in today's world, we're, we're going to have to be open to change. And we're going to have to be people of faith. We're going to have to trust God. And since God's word is what enlightens our path, we've got to make time to let his word shape how we think. Not your favorite talk show, radio, podcast, whatever. The word of God has to shape how you think. Because once you get the word of God feeding inside you on a regular basis, you will respond differently to situations. Not only this, you will respond differently to people. You will see people differently. See, God, the thing I love about the way God set this whole thing up, he sees me through love. Matter of fact, he sees me because I'm in Christ. When he looks at me, he sees Jesus. Yeah, but what about when you mess up? Take the what about off. Huh? The only difference between me and you is I do it in front of you and, and get judged differently for it. But, you know, we all do it, right? So regardless of where you may be are in your journey of faith today, according to what God says, our success, it's based on us following our Father's instructions. And according to the Apostle, Ch Apostle James, we're supposed to be doers and not just hearers. Huh? Let me, I know there's a lot of dads here that, that like football. Now, if you don't like football, that, well, I think you'll still pick up on my point here. But I want to use football for a second to, to teach an example of something. See, when it comes to football, I played for a little while in high school, and then I got corrupted and went the wrong way. Huh? And, you know, it took a long time for God to reroute my life and get me straightened back out. 
But the thing I learned about football, if you're going to play football, you got to get in the game. You actually have to get in the game. And here's the thing about playing football. If you do play football, you want to be in the game. You don't go through all that practice. Coach, I'm good. I'll just sit on the bench. You want to play, right? If you play football. And, and I'm thinking about my talk. And Tracy and I, we were out to lunch the other day. And the restaurant we were at, they had, I don't know what channel it was on, but they had these old classic football games on. Does anybody know who Dan Marino is? Yeah. I, I, liked, I, liked it. I liked Dan Marino. And I was watching this, this old game between uh, Miami and the Jets. And, you know, the Apostle James says he's going to show you his faith by his works, by what he does. You see, sometimes when you get in the game, you show who you are, what you're made of in the game, on the field. A lot of times it's what you learn in your study time, in your practice time that comes out on the field. And I'm watching Dan. And back then, man, they wore, I mean, they, they wore these big old I mean, massive stuff. They look like giants out there. Not that they don't today, but the equipment's better today. And they're running this pattern, and the wide receiver is running a pattern on the sideline, and he's going to run an out pattern to the out-of-bounds line. And the defensive back is right on him. And what happens is, as Dan drops back, the receiver makes his cut to the out-of-bounds line. Dan throws the ball to the because he's supposed to cut in, not out. What's the big deal? Well, the ball was intercepted. And it led to a touchdown for the other team. See, here's my point. It's not just about being in the game, because as, as a believer, we're like, oh, I'm in the game. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. What it actually comes down to is this, guys. You actually have to run the play. You got to run the play. And what happened, and, and the camera zoomed in on Dan's face, and you could tell the receiver cut out. Dan threw the ball in. The receiver was supposed to cut in, but he didn't run the play. See, sometimes you were supposed to cut this way, and you cut that way, and you're like, what happened here, Lord? You didn't run the play. See, when you're in the game, how many of you are in the game? Now, I know, now I, listen, because here's the thing I've learned about this. There are, now, I know a lot of us are good at, we, in our mind, we think we're good at this, but there are no successful armchair quarterbacks. I know, I know a lot of us think we are. I can't tell you how many times I'm a better coach than Division I coaches. I'm better. Can't believe he made that call. I'm like, <laughs> I guess they're only paying him a $10 million contract because he's dumb. <laughs> really? But, but we do that, don't we? It is so easy to sit on the sidelines criticizing everybody else in the game when they throw the interception, when they make the crucial mistake and nothing goes right. I can't believe you did that. I can see Dan looking at the receiver. He's like, and I know the receiver's like, oh, my... I blew it, and, and I, I know he felt bad, but when you play football, they'll bring you right back in, pat you on the helmet, pat you on the butt. It's okay, man. Come on, we'll get it back. Let's go. You got to be in the game, and you got to run the play. You can't be this armchair quarterback that criticizes everything else. Why? Because our Father is relying on us to be successful in what he's called us to do, but you got to get in the game. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. 
Don't you realize that in a race, everybody runs? Huh? But only one gets the prize. I love this statement. So run to win. I can tell you there are some of you all that are so competitive. I don't care what it is. You got to win. When I'm fishing with Dustin, he's the most competitive person I know, him and Andy. Whether it's, whether it's golf or fishing, it could probably be sweeping the floor. He going to beat me. Not in fishing, but, you know. <laughs> Sometimes in golf he'll beat me, but not the other day. The other day, Eric, we were playing golf the other day. My man drops a hole in one. Listen, we're out 17, yeah. We're out 17 and we're all just cutting up. We, all, we give each other a hard time all the time out there. We're cutting up and all of a sudden he hits it and we're like, that's going right at it. One hop in the cup. He, he, I mean, he, you would have thought he'd won the, the PGA championship. <laughs> but we all did. We were all celebrating and yelling and there's nobody around to even see it. I'm like, man, no sports center, nothing, you know. And then we tell the rest of the guys, and they're like, oh, did you really? <laughs> now we, <laughs> right? Yeah. Run to win. God wants you to win. Huh? He goes on to say, all athletes discipline themselves in training, and they do it to win a prize that fades away. We do it for an eternal prize. There are people that you will cross paths with. When you're running to win, when you are running the play, and God calls your number. Number one, you got to be ready because there are people that are waiting on you. I'm going to show you a story in a minute how God orchestrates stuff in the madness to use people. See, now, now let me say this while I'm here talking about being successful and running and being in the game. Do me a favor. Stop looking at, stop comparing yourself with other people's gifts. You know, just like go back to that wide receiver that ran the wrong route, you know, he has gifts that a 325-pound lineman doesn't have, right? That's the thing. You're going to have gifts that I don't have. When we listen to Danny sing, you want her instead of me. She has giftings. And so quit looking at somebody else comparing yourself. There are things that God has gifted you with. But you got to run with it. You remember what God told Abraham? He said, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you with abundant increase of favor. I'll make your name famous and distinguished. And you'll be a blessing to others. See, just like when I mentioned Dan Marino, just about everybody's heard about Dan Marino. And he'd been retired a long time, even from commercials, right? God will make you distinguished and famous in, um, among people's lives. There will be family members and coworkers that will look to you because you brought them the answer. You have the truth inside you. This is why you have to take God's instructions in Psalm 1 to heart. Don't seek counsel from the ungodly. Don't follow the path of the sinner. Don't sit with the scornful. You know that word scornful, I begin to think about that a little bit and do a little deep dive into it. Not only does it mean mocker and ridiculer, but it, this is the description that I found that I thought really helped me. 
it means miserable unbeliever. You all ever heard the phrase, misery loves company? Yeah. It can't stand to be by itself because they're miserable. Even, and if you and I have friends that are unbelievable, I'm not into all that church stuff. Well, I, there's a lot of the church stuff I'm not into either. There's a bunch of it. I can't stand all the, all the, the junk and the politics that comes with it. You know, sometimes I'd like to just be John the Baptist, man, on the back of a mountain. Or no, better yet, I'd look, like to be Elijah up on top of the mountain and call down fire. <laughs> yeah, you remember when, we, when, when in the, uh, the Chosen when James and John said, Lord, let's call fire down on them. And he said, really, you want to call fire down from heaven and kill people? Is that your heart? Is that what you want? Let's call some fire down. <laughs> but let, we get that way. Religion will get that way in a second. <clears throat> Don't hang out with those miserable unbelievers. Now, you got to go to them. you got to share truth with them. You have to love on them. But then you got to come away from you. you can't, that can't be your life. you gotta, you got to hang around like-minded people that will sharpen you, help you, encourage you. But the thing that caught my <clears throat> attention in Psalm 1, when you look at that passage, it starts out with this. Happy is the person who practices putting God's promises into action. Say happy. In Psalm 144, <clears throat> David says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Proverbs 16 tells us, whoever trusts in the Lord, happy. The Apostle Paul in Acts 26 in front of King Agrippa, he said, oh, King, I think myself happy. See, here's what happens is a lot of times we make the mistake of settling for what life will do to us and allow that to determine if we're going to be happy or not by what goes on around us. Guys, don't get sucked into the trap of waiting on circumstances, waiting on the right thing to help you with your success. Are you with me? Don't wait on somebody and other people to make you feel good enough to be happy. God will help you with that. Let's make our minds up that we're going to trust God to help us. I mean, let's be real. You would rather hang around happy people, right? Yeah, I know I would. See, this is the thing. We have to keep this in mind. Our Heavenly Father, He is inspiring us constantly. He is giving us opportunity after opportunity. I love when I think about what the Apostle Paul said to King Agrippa, because my man Paul... He was in chains. And he said, oh, king, I think myself happy. Now, what he got happy about, Jack, was the opportunity to share the gospel with the king because the prophets had told him, God had told him that he would bring him before kings. And now he's standing in front of a king. Now, obviously, we don't want to be standing in front of a king in chains, but he's still there, and he didn't let the chains face him. He preached the gospel with the chains on. See, how many of you think Paul was successful at his assignment? See, the Bible is full of successful people that when you watch their lives, you think about Moses for a second. There's some people that they face challenging things. Moses is one of these examples. When you look at Moses' life, Moses was a little rich kid. Now, he was a Jew, but he had been taken by Pharaoh's well, who took him? Thank you, Jack. Pharaoh's daughter took her. So Moses is being raised in the palace. 
I don't think y'all comprehend palace living. I know I don't. I mean, I, I'm happy with my life, but palace living? A lot of people in today, well, who needs all that? <laughs> it's because you never had it, <laughs> right? I heard a story one time, this preacher, he, this was years ago. <clears throat> they had a newborn. Well, it, they, he was older, I think two or something. They kept, they kept him, the little boy in the cart all the time. And they'd go to the grocery store, he'd stay in the car. One day, the mom took the boy to the grocery store and let him out of the cart. Once you got out the cart, wasn't no going back to the cart. You're talking about a fit. The baby threw a fit because he had experienced the world outside the cart. The reason many of us struggle with, we don't know what that all that palace living is. We ain't ever had no palace living. Okay. Yeah, Moses grew up in the palace, and then he left it for God. And he finds himself on the backside of a desert, living in some tents. And God begins to deal with him and shape his life. Why? Because he's going to send him back to Egypt to bring the people out. See, today's Father's Day message, this is the thing you need to learn from people like Moses, Joshua, King David. King David, oh my gosh, you're talking about a dude that had some mess in his life. His own son ran him out of the city. His own son did. And you know what's sad about that? It's actually a picture of how God's mercies new every day because at the end of it, when, when, when Absalom was killed, all of Israel rejoiced, the military, because Absalom was trying to, he was coming against his father, the, the real king. But when it happened, David was torn because he didn't want it to happen. He still loved his son. He was still, you know, tell me Absalom's okay. And Joab had to come in and tell the king, say, listen, man, if you don't get up and clean yourself up and go address these people, you won't have an army by the sundown. But he was showing the heart of God because he, even in all of Solomon's rebellion and, and craziness, David's his mercy was still on him. See, today's Father's Day message, let it be this simple one that reminds us that we've got to take ownership in our own lives. Step out in faith and trust God. Are you ready for this? Get in the game. How about this? Run the play. See, God has a plan of success for each of us. It may not look like mine. It may not look like your neighbor's. But there are people waiting on you right now. But you've got to be in the game. You've got to think about those things. It all hinges. Here's the thing about being in the game. Let's, let's kind of back, back up a little bit. In order to be in the game, you actually have to be on a team. Some people don't understand team sports. Well, you should play tennis. <clears throat> Nothing wrong with tennis. I love tennis. But you by yourself out there, man. I mean, I know you have a group helping you. My point is this, working together for the greater good, and this is what God has called all of us to do as a family. Some of us, you need to think unity. One of my favorite coaches that I quote, how many people know, does anybody know, was it 10, Coach Wooden, did he win 10 national, anybody know? Was it 10 national championships? Clay, you should know this, man. Listen, he was one of the greatest coaches, and I love reading quotes from Coach Wooden, but this is one of the things he would tell his players all the time. The key to stardom is the rest of the team. 
See, some of you all, you need to learn to be a team player. You can't always be the superstar because there are no superstars. Michael Jordan, he, would not be, he wouldn't have been anything without Scotty. And, and I mean, there's, there's so many on that team. But you got to be a team player, you all. <clears throat> he also made this statement. <clears throat> he said, it's what you learn now, this, now, dads, don't look at your wife, okay? But it's what you learn. John, I said don't look. <laughs> it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. I know that'll take a minute to resonate, but let that set in and marinate. It's what you, it's what you know after you, it's what you know at, or learn after you know it all that counts. Brother Hagin used to tell us this all the time, man. He said, the older I get, the more I realize how much I don't know. And see, for all of us, serving alongside each other, it simply means staying humble, staying teachable, being a disciple. Regardless of where you might be in your journey of faith, according to our Father's instructions, our success, it's simply based on what he told us in Psalm 1. Look at it again. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, successful, enviable is the man who... Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, doesn't stand in the path of the sinner or sit with the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of God. And he'll be like a tree planted by a river. And he brings forth fruit in his season and his leaf doesn't wither. I love this part right here. And whatever he does, it will be successful. Who's this applied to? The person that spends time with God, that allows the word of God to shape how they... I know there are people in the world that don't know God and they're successful. Yeah, but when, when it comes time to stand before the Lord, none of that's going to count for them. That's all wood, hay, and stubble. It's all going to be burned up when it's tested by fire. Only the thing... Listen to me very carefully. Only the things you do for the kingdom of heaven will make it through the other side. And I know some of you think, yeah, but what about my career? Well, if you're serving, you know, the Lord with your career, that doesn't mean that you're on staff at a church. You know, God needs anointed doctors and nurses. Right, Tiffany? Congratulations, my friend. She just, she's the real deal now, yeah. God, you know what God needs? He needs anointed school teachers that love Jesus. Huh? You know what I like? I like an anointed worker at the drive-thru that remembers your order, right? The Bible tells us we are to do our work as unto the Lord. Paul says it like this. You know, he really sharpens. I and mean, Paul, he, sometimes he gets right to the point. We should make the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. And here's something to keep in mind. All, all, all the, the, these men that God chose to write these scriptures, when you sit down and read them, I want you to read them and look at them like spiritual fathers to you. And they're giving you instructions on how to function as a believer in this dark world that we live in. God's counting on each of us that, we have, that we've received his life. We've got to make ourselves available for him. Guys, just practice. Just start with, with just, just carve out a little time for God. Just a little. Just start with that. And what will happen as you begin to do that, God will honor your faithfulness in that. When you give God some of your time, Ben Franklin said time is the stuff that life is made of. Because tomorrow's done. You can't get it back. 
So take those moments, whatever they might be, when you feel that nudge inside you, hey, just pull back for a second and go get the Word of God. You, you can pull it right up on your phone. Some of you, you can listen to the, to the app on your way to work instead of some crazy song or talk radio. Good Lord. See, God never intended for his people to just accept humanity and what all it serves up. And call that life. That wasn't his plan. We have the life of God inside us. You remember Jesus said, I came to this planet so that you could have an abundant life. The unfortunate reality with too many Christians is this. We fall into this gap between knowing and doing. And we just kind of, oh, I know that. I can, man, I'm, I mean, I hear it. Oh, yeah, preacher, I know that. And and. and and you all know, I usually don't say anything, but in my mind, I'm like, well, then what are you doing? You know it. Huh? Yeah. See, God knows that we need each other. He needs team players. People in the game, encouraging, challenging, holding each other accountable, helping one another run the play. And, and, and I'll wrap things up with this today. One of my favorite Old Testament stories is the story of Mordecai and Esther. It is one of the coolest things. And I know most of the time the story focuses on Esther. She gets most of the recognition, but today's Father's Day. And Mordecai, see, Mordecai stepped into the role of Esther's father. See, her parents were killed. And Mordecai, he adopted her. But when you look at the story, well, let's read it because Mordecai was, he was taken from his home during the Babylonian Empire. Nebuchadnezzar came in and Babylon took over and they took all the Jews. Well, not all, but bunches of them. Matter of fact, if you go study the story, King, King Nebuchadnezzar said, I want the smartest, the brightest, and the best. So what's that tell you about Mordecai? He was happy favorable, successful, prosperous. He was a Psalm 1 guy. And Nebuchadnezzar took him. Esther chapter 2, verse 5. <clears throat> At that time, there was a Jewish man from the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair. And he was from the tribe of Benjamin and was the descendant of Kish and Shimei. Don't you all like your names today? <laughs> and, and his family had been among those with the king Jehoiakim of Judah who had been exiled to Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And this man had very beautiful and lovely young cousin named Hadassah, who we know as Esther. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family, and he raised her as his own daughter. And as a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many others, began this preparation for candidacy to be the queen. See, understand this. Esther is about, I need you all to wrap your head around this. She's about to become the queen of Persia. Is that crazy? Huh? And she is quickly beginning to realize that, uh, that God is orchestrating some stuff in her life. Now listen to me. I know many times you all think, why am I going through that? What's up with this? Why doesn't God just, I'm favorable. I'm blessed. Why didn't God just, boom, huh? Because 
Sometimes there's a process. You see, God knew that Haman was getting ready to launch this assault to massacre, to eliminate the Jewish people, all of them. God knew that was about to unfold. And so when you look at the life of this, slide me on up some y'all. When you look at the life of what was going on in his life, God's purpose was beginning to unfold and so often we don't, we don't see it at the time. Even though the story is mostly centered around Esther, Mordecai has this huge role that takes place in, in her life. And so often we, we focus on the wrong thing. Mordecai, when, when you look at that story, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon failed to the Persian Empire. And all the Jewish people were set free. But Mordecai stays in Persia. Why? God's orchestrating something. He doesn't see all of it yet, but he has a high position in the political world at that time. Because remember, he was one of the top ones that King Nebuchadnezzar had selected. And so he has a pretty good position at the palace, if you read this story. He, he, has, a, he has a good title, good position. <clears throat> And God's working things out, you, you know, so often it takes people that are just humble enough and teachable enough that are willing to be a disciple when everything isn't smooth sailing. Even though the story was centered around Esther, Mordecai is the one that I want to highlight today because of what he did played a major role, possibly the most famous quote in the book of Esther that all of you all have heard repeatedly. You've heard me say it so many times. Mordecai says this, you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I'm talking about you today. Some of you are listening to me today because God is inspiring things in your heart to do because you have been called to the kingdom of heaven for now. There are people in your circle of influence, they need God in their life. Not a religion, not the name on a building, they need the power of God in their life. And you have it. Sometimes what Esther, what Mordecai teaches us, you have to step out and be willing to fail to put it on the line sometimes. Remember what Paul said in the New Testament to us? He said, guys, we have to make the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Unfortunately, you gotta realize we have an enemy that loves to mess with our head, to mess with our thinking, to put the wrong thoughts in our head. Things like, why would God use me? I don't have a title, I don't have a position, what, what, what's up? I just wanna mind my own business, but what if he doesn't want you to mind your own business? What if like with Mordecai, Mordecai could have went back with his family with the Jewish people, but for some reason he stayed. Mordecai and Esther, they both are examples of how God will use everyday people. You gotta get this, you all. They didn't, they didn't have, they weren't called to be preachers. They weren't on staff at a local church. Mordecai and Esther are these perfect example of how God uses everyday people to advance the kingdom of heaven. You just gotta be willing to say, okay, God, he knew the destruction that lied ahead <clears throat> and he needed someone faithful that he could count on. Someone who recognized that he'd been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. You see, Mordecai, one of the things he, he continually did was encourage Esther every step of the way until the time came for her to step into her role. And then at that time, she began to bless Mordecai. They were both great examples of what Paul talks about when he refers to, to us to redeem the time. You see, God's plan with both of these people, with Mordecai and Esther, it helps each other. They, they, they had each other's back, if you will. They saw the potential, they saw what was going on, 
I, I know we say this repeatedly, guys, but we don't think about the scope of what's unfolding. Esther is about to become the queen of Persia. <laughs> See, we don't even relate to that stuff in our world today. Oh, that's great, queen of Persia. Are you for real? That was the most powerful nation on the planet at the time. And God took this, listen to me very carefully. He took this adopted little Jewish girl and she becomes queen of a nation. And she has the ear of the king. Remember when the whole story was unfolding, she told Mordecai, listen, if I go in unannounced, he can just take my head off. That's the kind of king he was. Xerxes was, he, he was radical, man. He'd kill you in a minute. Oh, wrong shirt, you're out. L listen, go watch what happened to Haman. Haman was so mad at Mordecai that he, because Haman, Mordecai's this high political figure and Haman has got the right hand of the king and he's walking around like he's all this and Mordecai won't bow to him. Everybody else is bowing. Mordecai's like, I'd like to punch you in the throat. No, he, <laughs> and Haman can't stand it. And so Haman has this big execution tower built that it's basically this big giant rod that you shove people down on. And it's high up above the city so everybody could see it so that they could see Mordecai dangling up in the wind. But one of the servants of the king is helping him because the king can't sleep. And he says, bring me the history books. And the king reads the history books about, if you go, it's like a spy novel really because Mordecai spared the king because some spies were wanting to assassinate him and Mordecai overheard it and told the king, told the king's helpers about it, but he never got any recognition for it. And that night, King Xerxes is reading about it like, well, who was this guy? And the servant said, it's Mordecai. And then the king said, well, who's in the courtyard right now? Haman's in the courtyard. Go get Haman. Haman thought he was going to get all this recognition. Oh, no. Haman had to parade Mordecai around. That's the one that saved the king. And long story short, when it was all said and done, after Esther got into her position, Haman was the one that was executed, and Mordecai got all his stuff. Yeah. See, sometimes it may not look good. See, the thing is, guys, we have to be on purpose about what we do in the good days, in the bad days. One of the things that fathers teach us, one of the things that our Heavenly Father shows us is you got to have this staying power when everything doesn't go right, when you face challenges. Back to, back to football, when I played football for those few years that I did, you ever had the wind knocked out of you? I wasn't the biggest guy, and sometimes I would just get lit up. And I'd be like, oh! <laughs> I didn't know to call out to Jesus. I'm just like, can I get a breath? Yeah. I remember when I was playing, I was probably 12, I was playing Little League Baseball, and I got hit right in the face. I mean, just, well, you're 12, you know, like, and, and you're a mama's boy. There ain't no dad around. Quit whining, boy. Wipe it off. Put some, put some spit on it. And I wanted to quit. I told my mom, I want to quit. I'm crying, you know, I want to quit. She wouldn't let me quit. Sometimes it's, it's, it's easy to quit, you know. See, God's plan is still unfolding, just like with Mordecai and Esther. Sometimes it just takes us being on purpose about what we do, working together, being in the game. Are you ready for this? You got to run to play. You got to stay at it. 
Today, let's take a page out of Mordecai and Esther's playbook. Let's remember, let them inspire us, challenge us. Let's hear our Father's words today. Blessed, happy, prosperous. Let me have that psalm, you all, at the end. I, I think I have Psalm 1 at the end. Let me have, I got my, I've talked to, y'all listen good today. Let's look at it one more time and I'll get you out of here so, so fathers can, y'all are going to take them to a good place today, right? You're going to cook them a good, I mean, I didn't get a, maybe, I haven't decided yet. Depends on how he acts after church. Huh? Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, successful, enviable is the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates in it day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by a river. And whatever he does will prosper. See, fathers, that's what, that's what King Solomon said. Heed the instructions of your father. It will be a crown on your head. I think our heavenly father has that same plan for us. A plan of success. A Psalm 1 plan for us that he wants us these blessed, happy, successful favorable, prosperous people, then that means we got to yield to Him. We've got we to yield to His leading, to His anointing, to His empowerment. All of these things, they all hinge on this one simple reality, you all. you got to be part of God's family. You actually have to allow Him to be your Heavenly Father. Only one way, through Jesus. God made it so simple. He looked at all of our brokenness, all of our junk, all of our failures, all of our mistakes. He looks past all of that and he says, Jesus will take it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Jesus is your only way. Not a name on a building, not a denominational philosophy. His name is Jesus. And it's only by faith that you get to experience this life. You simply have to believe that Jesus came and died and he rose from the grave. That's it, that's all we ask of you. Today, my heart's, my heart's cry is this, give Jesus a chance. If you're in the room and you've never taken a step of faith to give Jesus a chance, today's your day. Even if our church is not your style, that's okay. There's plenty of wonderful churches, we love you, we'll help you find one, but you're here. Tomorrow's not promised to anybody. Those of you listening or watching, stop what you're doing for just a second. Today's your opportunity to give your life to Christ and make heaven your home. Take a step of faith with us. Church family, let's all say it together. If you're here, say the prayer. If you're listening or watching, say the prayer. Give Jesus a chance in your life. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, come into my life and make me new. And from this day forward, Jesus is my Lord. Heaven is my home. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now do me a favor, guys. If you're in the room and you said the prayer, stop by our information desk. We've got a little gift for you. For the rest of you, hey dads, now listen, we've got a place set up so that you can take pictures out in the lobby with your family. Take your time. We also have cold L8 and Grippos for all the dads. So make sure you grab you some L8 and Grippos. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day. We love you, man. God bless. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to click on the subscribe button. For more information on Victory Life Church, check us out at victorylifeky.com. Thank you so much for listening.